Scripture today is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 through 12. Next slide, please. Finally, then, brothers, we ask that we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know that what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immoralities, that each one of you know how to control his own body in the holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one, let no one transgress and run his brother in this manner, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregard this, disregard not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, this more, sorry. <clears throat> now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourself have been taught by God to love one another. For that, indeed, is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do not do this more, do do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your own hands, as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Cornerstone, good to see you all. Welcome to our English worship gathering here today. So um, we're glad that you could join us on the Lord's Day. It's also Super Bowl Sunday, but you know, we don't really care about that. But anyway, um, you know, we're continuing through First uh, Thessalonians today. And uh, just quick recap of what's been going on. Um, if you've been in life groups, you probably have a better idea because we're going through the same passage in life groups. And I heard that's been a blessing to kind of go through the passage before the message. And so um, we're thankful for that. That was the whole point of why we wanted to start that. But anyway, the, to recap what's been going on, uh, the Apostle Paul was concerned for the Thessalonians, uh, the, the church there, because of the persecution they were enduring at the time. And so Paul sends uh, Timothy to check on them, and Timothy comes back with a very positive report. And so the new Christians are standing fast in the Lord. They are continuing to hold on to their faith despite persecution, and they are maturing in their faith even though they're a very young church. And so the first three chapters of the letter, first letter to the Thessalonians were about Paul praising them and praising God for his spirit working in them. And he was explaining what he had taught them, and, and now he was absent for them and how he still cared for them in his absence. And there were those who were probably speaking ill of Paul at the time. So that's why Paul is making sure they truly know what, know and believe what Paul was saying and that they don't let these people influence them in a bad way where they don't believe Paul anymore. And so Paul's trying to defend himself and say, no, you have to believe what we taught you. And we know that these people caused riots, right? The, these, uh, these 
Jews caused a riot in, in, that, um, in, that, uh, in, in Thessalonica, and, and they were unhappy about the ministry that Paul was doing. And so Paul is defending himself so that the church continues on in the faith, despite all of this chaos and persecution happening around them. So at the end, very end of chapter 3, uh, from what we saw last week, uh, we see that he prays for them. He prays for them to grow in love, and that this abounding love would leave, lead them to live in holiness, which ultimately God provides that, right? God, through his Spirit, provides this love and, and allows us and, and leads us to be holy. But he knows that um, the Thessalonians need to know what that means, right? What it means to live in holiness, and, and how that is to happen. They need instruction and teaching. And so this chapter uh, in particular does this. It, it teaches the Thessalonians how to live in holy love in particular, in sexual purity and in brotherly love. So let me pray for us and ask the Lord to bless our time as we go into his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for your word to speak to us, Lord, that we can understand this holy love that you have uh, given us and how we can live out this holy love as well. So Lord, bless the words that come out of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts. May they be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So some of us and perhaps many of us who, be, who came to believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior came to believe because we were captivated by the love of God. We were captivated by the sacrificial love of God sending his son Jesus and how Jesus, in his love, laid down his life for us to satisfy the divine judgment that belonged to us. This unconditional agape love is what oftentimes captures us about our faith, that God would save a sinner like us and love us and save us. So that's where it begins for many of us. We see the love of God and we are so captivated by it. We are in awe of it and that first draws us to him. And, and this is the abounding love that Paul is talking about here today. And oftentimes that abounding love is what propels us to seek to be holy, to seek holiness in our lives, I remember when I was young, and when I was uh, when many of us first became Christians, me and my peers, at the time, uh, the big evil that everyone would talk about was secular music. So secular music was the big evil, and so uh, oftentimes at retreats or at youth gatherings, they would challenge us to go home and and take our CDs and and tapes. You know that's what we had back then, CDs and tapes, and to throw them all out, right? Go home and throw away all your secular music. And they'd say things like, use your ears to hear God's word, not, not the words of the devil. You know, they thought secular music was the devil. And so many of us would try to take that to heart, actually, and we would be inspired by this. And so many of us would go home and we'd go and get our, you know, like, you know, illegal music that we downloaded and stuff, you know, which is already bad. We shouldn't have done that, right? Our CDs that we burned, and you know, get, you know, some of you might not even know what this means. You know, the, the, the tapes that we recorded from the radio and things like that. And we go out and, and throw them away. But some, of, some people, I never did this, but some people would make this whole ritual out of it and they'd like put it all in a trash can and we'd start a fire. And it'd be this glorious ritual of burning 
our CDs, and it's like a burnt offering to the Lord. And it's, it's, it's you know, probably really foolish of us that we did that and we thought that was cool in some way. But nevertheless, it d- describes kind of uh, this desire that we have, especially when we first come to follow the Lord, when we come to know the love of Christ. We truly want to live for him. We want to live in holiness. And it, even if it means someone tells you to burn all your music, you're like, okay, go, I'll go burn all my music, right? Um, and it is a do- desire for us to truly Love God with all our hearts. And that means living according to his commands. Now, I want to say I don't want you guys to all delete your music or burn your music. You don't have to do that. But you know, that was something that we were challenged to do at that time. And so you know, holiness is the focus of our chapter. Holiness is very important to Paul. And we actually see the word holiness three times from Paul. We see it in verse 3 where it's actually translated as sanctification. So that's the word being used to describe holiness. But more literally, in the Greek, it actually says to be making holy. Right? So sanctification basically means making holy. And then we see it in verse 4, and then also in verse 7 of our passage. So we've talked about holiness before, what it means to be holy, to be set apart from the world. Right? That's what holiness literally means, to be set apart and we are to offer ourselves entirely devoted to God. We set apart ourselves from the world and we devote ourselves to the Lord instead. And it is, and, we, and holiness starts with God's love for us. It's God's love for us that leads us to love properly, to love as Christ loved us. That's what uh, John says in 1 John. We know love because Christ first loved us. So again, this abounding love is what leads us to love properly and to live in holiness. And loving properly is the way we offer ourselves entirely devoted to our God. That's how we live a holy life, to live in this love, this holy love. So it is this holy love that Paul is talking about here today. His holy love is an outpouring of God's abounding love for us. So the first thing he talks about is holy love in sex. And the first point we see right away is that holy love in sex is for our sanctification. He says in verse 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. He says that holy love is the context uh, in, the love, in the context of sex, is for our sanctification. And so as a refresher, sanctification is the process of being made more and more into the image of God, more and more holy, like I said earlier. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit in us where we are dying unto sin, dying unto sin and living in righteousness. So the Holy Spirit working in us should be leading us to abstain from sexual immorality. This holy love of God, the Spirit of God, purifies us. It transforms us for the good, becoming more and more like the image of God. So abstaining from sexual immorality is for our good. And so what is sexual immorality? Well, the word for sexual immorality in the Greek is, is porneia, which is where we get the word pornography from. And in Paul's day, that word most likely referred to um, 
prostitution primarily, but most people believe it can be brought more broadly understood as well. So that includes uh, sexual relations outside of marriage, uh, whether that's uh, fornication, adultery, uh, homosexuality, or prostitution as well. And so this was a very strange idea for the society in Thessalonica because they were a mainly pagan society, meaning that they, they, these sexually immoral, immoral things were not necessarily sexually immoral to them. Extra, extramarital affairs were, were common and, and they were tolerated and sometimes even encouraged. So we can imagine a man just able to take any woman he wants and you can imagine the, the oppressive nature of that society and how that is accepted or even tolerated or encouraged. At the time, a man might have a concubine and, and even own a woman, right, a slave woman, just for sexual relations. And so we see this as a, uh, this is a pervasive problem, and, and that's why Paul even says to control your bodies, right? And there's a debate about what this word body means. It could also mean vessel. That might be actually a more literal translation but our translation, the ESV, uh, decided to use the word body to indicate that this is about controlling our body, bodies from sexual impulses, right? And, and controlling ourselves from sexual desire, the immoral sexual desires. It is a practice of self-control because this was probably a big challenge for them at the time. On top of the fact that this behavior was not considered to be really wrong, across broader society. It was actually encouraged in some cases. And I think in many ways, this is a parallel to our current society. We see examples of sex before marriage, cohabitation before marriage, more uh, the idea of open relationships is, very, is becoming more common where men and women have more than one partner. Um, homosexuality is much more uh, broadly accepted now. We see uh, pornography being more widely accepted we face this problem in our society as well, where these are sexually immoral acts and behaviors, according to God's word, according to the Bible, are being, are, which are considered wrong according to his word, are being more widely accepted by our society. And, and these behaviors and all these things are happening because of a sinful world that we live in, right? We live in a sinful world and, and, and it and they are encouraging us to fall into our immoral sexual desires. And this is extremely hard for us as Christians. It's a great challenge for us, as it was for the Thessalonians as well. But Paul says clearly that these are all unnatural worldly lusts, and they are not of God. And so that's why Paul says to abstain from them, abstain from sexual immorality. And God's vision for sexuality is for us to enjoy it in the covenant of marriage, to enjoy sex in marriage between a man and a woman. And so sex itself is not the evil, right? How we have abused it is what is evil. And God calls us to do it in holiness, to do it in marriage with our partner. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. And so Paul makes it clear that a husband and wife not only can have sex, but they, are, they, they should have sex. It is a gift from God. It is 
pleasurable. It is physically pleasurable, but it's also a way to be connected intimately and emotionally. And we get a glimpse of the intimacy that Christ has with us through, through intimate sex with our wife or husband, the love that Christ has for his church. And it also leads to another blessing, which is children, right? It leads to having children, procreation, which is a good blessing. It is actually our original creation mandate to be fruitful and multiply back in Genesis. And so these are all the blessings of sex and, and marriage. And, and, but holy love in sex is for our sanctification. It's for our good. And we see in verse 6 also that holy love in sex is to be taken seriously. It's to be taken seriously. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 6-7 says that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Paul is saying that if we wrong our brothers and sisters, or, or a better translation might be, uh, of transgression might be to defraud our brothers and sisters. So if we defraud our brothers and sisters, then we will be judged and there will be punishment for us. So to defraud or transgress can mean a number of things in the context of sexual immorality. It can mean uh, taking the wife of someone else, so basically stealing someone's wife. It can mean taking advantage of someone sexually. It can mean leading people to sexually immoral activities by influence or coercion. Nevertheless, if we transgress against our brothers in this way, the text says the Lord will avenge. And the way John Piper puts it is that he says, Jesus said, if you don't fight lust, you won't go to heaven. If you don't fight lust, you won't go to heaven. This means that we are to fight against this lust, these uh, sexually immoral things. And we do that because we need to truly fight this fight of faith. And we have to fight against our sinful desires. And if we're not doing that, if we're not fighting against our sins, and we're allowing our sins to rule us, then we are not living in the Spirit. We are not living as followers of Christ. And we will be judged for that. Of course, we are saved by faith by believing in Christ alone. That is first and foremost. But we also know that those who persevere shall be saved. Right? A life of faith is not just believing once. It's about persevering in faith. It's about continuing to believe and trust in Christ. And if we give in to our sinful desires, we are not doing that. We are not faithfully persevering in our faith. So we need to fight the good fight of faith. So obedience to the scriptures, obedience to God's law and commands is a crucial part of our faith, of our salvation. Of course, obedience does not save us. Obeying God is not what saves us. Only faith alone saves, but obedience is the natural outworking of our faith to obey and flee from our sins. And so if we're not actively fighting against our sins, if we're not actively fighting against our sinful desires, our sexual desires that are immoral, we have to truly ask ourselves and wonder whether we truly believe in Christ as our Lord and Savior. Because if we believe, we should want to fight against it. We should want to obey and flee from these immoral desires. And of course, this isn't going to be perfect. 
We're not going to perfectly obey this. We're not going to totally mortify or lay down our sins. But we can grow and we can be better and we can be sanctified. Right? That's what that word means, to be more and more made into the image of God. It's not a, a quick process. It's a, a lifelong process until one day we are ultimately perfected in glory when we, you know, we die here on earth or when we are resurrected when Jesus comes back. And so we are to take this seriously. We're to take fighting sin seriously. But it doesn't just end there. There aren't just uh, eternal ramifications for this. There's also ramifications for us here and now. God may also avenge our sexual sin by giving us painful outcome and outcomes and consequences as a result of our sexual immorality. You know, when we uh, have, commit sexual sin against our spouse, oftentimes a marriage falls apart. It cannot be put back together oftentimes. It can lead to addiction that ruins our lives. Pornography is an addiction that can ruin a life of a couple. It leads to sexual dysfunction in a marriage because men, oftentimes men, are so addicted to it. Right? Some of them cannot even be aroused unless they watch pornography. That's how bad it is for some situations. And these are the painful consequences of our sexual sin. God allows for these consequences to come into our lives to show us how miserable sin is, the misery of sin, that there are consequences here on earth for the sins that we commit. But there is always hope. God can always redeem. And when we trust in him, and when we turn to him and confess and repent of our sins, he can transform us. He can help us. And he can help us to be holy and turn away from these things and even redeem us from our addictions. So we have to lay down our sins before our God and may he begin the process of working in us and sanctifying us for our good and for his glory. So the last few verses of our text are about a different type of love. He moves on from uh, uh, love and sex, but he now talks about brotherly love here, right? or phileo love in, in Greek. Uh, and this is the love of how we are to treat our fellow friends and peers and neighbors and brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul says we are to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ and urges them to excel at this even more. He urges the Thessalonians to do this more and more. But then he goes on to, uh, goes on to how believers should conduct, conduct themselves with others. Right? He goes on to more practical instruction. So these all come from verse 11 of our passage today. First, he says, holy brotherly love is living quietly. It's funny. He says, um, aspire to live quietly. That's what the ESV says. And in the and in the NIV, it says more, it says, make it your ambition to live quietly. And so it sounds a little paradoxical here. Usually it's our ambition to live louder, right, and to live bigger and more gloriously. That's usually what we think of when we think living ambitiously, to live more gloriously. But he says to know, be ambitious to live quietly, right? We are to seek to live quietly. And the context here is that the Thessalonians were eagerly anticipating the return of the Lord. At that time, a lot of the churches thought, you know, the Lord was coming very, very soon. And they probably thought the Lord was coming within their lifetime. But of course, we don't know that. There's no way to know that. The Bible says we do not know the day or the hour that the Lord will return. So basically, Paul is telling them, calm down. Take a beat. Be peaceful. 
right? Avoid conflict, you know, and, and avoid hostility towards other people. Because we can imagine, if we think the Lord is coming now, we're going to, like, probably be more confrontational and be more abrasive with others. But he's saying, no, be peaceful, right? This is not the way to create conflict, to be, uh, be disturbing the peace in this way. So live quietly doesn't mean we are to just stay quiet about our faith. It, it, no, we live out our faith and proclaim the truth of Christ. Of course, we have to do that and share our faith, but we have to live peaceably with others, right? which is the fruit of the Spirit, to have peace in our lives. So we are to live in this peace with other people and not to stir up things and, and disturb others and, and create chaos in our society. Next, holy brotherly love is to mind your own business, right? The ESV says, mind your own affairs, but that's the idea, to mind your own business. Um, do not unnecessarily meddle in other people's affairs. That is what Paul is talking about. This doesn't mean we shouldn't know about each other's lives, and it doesn't mean we, we, we shouldn't get together. We should actually meet together and pray for one another and, and know what's going on in each, other, in each other's lives. However, it does mean that we shouldn't be so wrapped up in what other people are doing. That shouldn't occupy our minds all the time. Right, the biggest way that happens for us is on social media. The, the big issue we have when we go through social media is everyone has FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Right, we see the affairs or the lives of other people, of those around us, and we think, oh man, I, I wish I could have that life. Oh, I wish I can go there. Or I wish, oh, my family was like that, or my marriage was like that, or, or I could be like that. Or sometimes we're, we're judgmental of those online, right? We say to ourselves, oh, how could those people be like that? Oh, they're so terrible. They're so horrible. And we judge them instead. And we see that it's very pervasive in our culture, a lot of commenting and a lot of uh, disparaging things we say online that's very nasty and mean. And when we are so caught up in other people biz people's business, we are prone to not take care of our own business, to settle our own affairs and do what we should be doing in our lives. We're just so caught up in other people's lives, we're not doing what we should be focusing on in our own lives. Right? Focus, let's focus on ourselves instead of judging or coveting others around us. So that's the idea that Paul is getting at with that. The next thing is holy brotherly love is engaging in meaningful work. The text says to work with your hands as instructed to you. Right? It's not really uh, literally about using your hands per se, but that's a, a, a way to describe work. And so what he's talking about is meaningful work. God gave us work to do so that we can contribute to society, contribute to the world. And so even if that means our jobs are not lucrative, we're not making a lot of money, and even if our job does not seem to be changing the world in some drastic way, we are still to be a contributing member of society, to meaningfully contribute to our society. And that's what you are called to do as both a citizen of heaven and a citizen of where, wherever we may live, wherever we may live. And for us here, it's New Jersey. And Paul says that there are two benefits of living out in this way, in this brotherly love, right? That outsiders or non-Christians will appreciate our love that much more, and that everyone contributes their part, right? We're not mooching off each other. We're not taking advantage of one another, but we're meaningfully laboring and doing our part, as we are called to do as the body of Christ, so now everything I mentioned about holy love in sex and in brotherly love is not easy to live out. Right? This is really hard. I want to acknowledge that. This is really hard. 
And like I said earlier about abstaining from sexual immorality, we will not do this perfectly. We will not be perfect in this. We will most definitely sin against one another. We will definitely lust. We will fall short of what God desires of us. But the power of the gospel, the power of what Christ has done, that frees us. It frees us from the condemnation of sin. So even if we fail, we are not eternally condemned. We are forgiven. We are considered blameless, spotless, perfect, and righteous in the eyes of God. So that in that we have freedom. But the gospel also gives us power to, and it frees us to live according to God's commands. It frees us to love. It frees us to abstain from sexual immorality. The power of the Spirit, which has been given to us by the grace of God, it is for our sanctification. And so when we receive the Spirit, it changes us. It changes us to be more and more like God. So brothers and sisters, let us think and reflect on the ways in which we have struggled with this. We have struggled with abstaining from sexual immorality and ways in which we have failed to love our brothers and sisters around us. Let us think and reflect on how we may have rebelled against God in this way, how we have failed to love those around us by perhaps disturbing the peace around us, by not minding our own business, by not taking serious the work that God has given us. If we know we should take this seriously, but we choose not to do so, if we know we need to take it seriously and choose not to do so, we may have to think about the genuineness of our faith and whether or not we truly believe in Christ. And if God is working on your heart right now and you have this feeling that you should seek to obey, then I ask that you go before God and pray, confess, ask God for forgiveness. Ask God to give you a new heart of repentance to turn away from your sinful desires and turn to him and seek holiness in him. So to end our time, I thought we could take a minute to pray on our own, to pray these things and ask God to show us the ways in which we need to confess and repent of our sexual immorality or the ways in which we have hurt our brothers and sisters and not love them well. But let us also remember as we pray that we are free. We are ultimately free free. When we trust in Christ and trust in what he's done, we are free. And so even if we fail and we will fail, God forgives us. And we are, made, we are considered righteous. Jesus has made us righteous through his blood. So let us remember that. And remember that we have now freedom to live it out because the Spirit is in us. Freedom to live out this holy love. We can do it by the power that God has given us through his Spirit. And so to recap, let's take a moment to pray and ask God to show us the ways in which we need to confess and repent of our sexual immorality and let's, let us reflect on the ways in which we have failed to show brotherly love. But most importantly, let us pray knowing that we are free and we can thank and praise God that we are free. So let's take a minute now and let's pray those things to God and I'll close this in prayer afterwards. Let's take a minute to pray.
Heavenly Father, we, we pray that, Lord, you will work in our hearts, O oh God. God, Lord, you use Paul to give these instructions to the Thessalonian church on how to live in this holy love, how to live it out, how to rest in the, the Spirit. So, God, may this message be a message for us here and now, where that, God, we are called to abstain from the sinful things of the world, from especially the sexually immoral things of the world. Lord, we are called to be pure and holy. And God, help us. Many of us struggle in this. Many of us struggle to, to live out in sexual purity. But God, we know that even in our struggles, Lord, you are there helping us that you lead us to turn away. And so God, help us, help each and every one of us to turn away from these things and to seek sex in, in true holiness and in, in marriage and in the beauty that we ha- you have given to us in marriage. Lord, if it is your will for us, God, help us to love our brothers and sisters well as well. God, we, we struggle to do this in many ways. Many of us are, are selfish in our relationships Many of us do not care for other people's lives and do not care what's going on in other people's lives. Many of us care too much about what's going on in people's lives. We have an unhealthy view of ourselves in that way. God, help us to truly live out in holiness, to, to know the gospel, to believe it, to trust it, and now live for you in everything. God, we see the love that you have given us this abounding love, this overflowing love, this sacrificial love that we cannot even describe, we cannot even compare to anything else. God, may that love be what leads us to truly love others. Help us, God, here today. May we be filled with your love. May your spirit fill us up so that we can love others and love you most of all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.